This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree and a communications volunteer for NTEU Chapter 49, and we welcome you once again to our weekly podcast, the Chapter 49 Podcast. Obviously, we didn't get creative with the, with the name. Uh, I think we just wanted to let you know that it's uh, the uh, NTEU Chapter 49 speaking to you. We, it was devised for our membership, but I continue to be shocked at just the number of people around the country. I just look at our statistics and data as to where people are listening, and it's it's quite amazing how people are are listening throughout the country. So I welcome once again uh, NTEU Chapter Forty Nine President Duncan Giles on on another spring day. It's nice to have spring, and it's nice to have Duncan here. Thanks, good to be here, Larry. And I can't believe you're defeat. You know, you know how much money it, and time and effort it costs for us to come up with that name for the podcast. And- <laughs> You know, we, and we didn't even trademark it, did we? Exactly. You know, now, <laughs> now I'm very frightened that we should have trademarked it because yes. everybody's going to be after it. Well, it kind of goes back to the origins of the, the podcast, which we've talked about recently, where, you know, people do all this preparation. They spend weeks thinking about these things, about the name and the format. And, I, you know, you and I didn't do any of that. We just we just opened up the mics and said, okay, here we go, and see how it works. So for some reason, we're almost at the one-year mark, so that's pretty amazing in itself. Let's get to business here. Uh, we have several things uh, I would like to talk about, and I know you've, you've listed a few things you want to discuss as well. I want to start off with a commentary that I did place a link on our uh, NTU Chapter 49 Indiana Facebook feed. And it was a commentary uh, that was published a few days ago when the Los Angeles Times, one of the biggest newspapers in the country, certainly the biggest in the western U.S., it was a commentary written by a man named Doyle McManus, who has covered Washington for the L.A. Times for decades. He's one of the most respected journalists in D.C. And he wrote a commentary, Duncan, which, uh, and I, I think it's important to talk about this, on the heels of Catherine Rampell's piece that was posted and published recently in the Washington Post, they both really make the same argument that, you know, Congress is not being wise in its failure to fund the IRS really for a long time, decades, if you look at it, uh, starving the IRS, particularly in the area of compliance, not funding compliance, allowing people to get away with not paying their taxes on the collection side or not complying with the law on the examination side. So I don't know about you, Duncan. I I see this as a sign that there is a consensus beginning to build in Washington that IRS finally needs to be funded. Do you think that's happening or am I being too optimistic here? Um, That's sort of like Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football. Every time we think that that people are going to come to their senses and properly fund us. It's like Lucy yanks the football away and we end up flat in our back after trying to kick it. It's just one of those things where, you know, the IRS, depending upon what study you look at, brings in anywhere from 95 to 97% of the funds to the federal government. Yet we're continually starved funding-wise which leads us to not only not being able to do customer service like we should, but also, as you mentioned, compliance. We don't have 
enough revenue officers to go out and collect the taxes that are due. We don't have enough um, tax compliance officers or revenue agents to go out and audit the businesses that we should to make sure everybody is in compliance. And this is a very simple solution for everybody involved. If we get properly funded, it'll take us a while. We can't turn on a dime, but it will be something that, you know, will pay dividends down the road and help us with some of these things that need to be paid for, like infrastructure. Well, true. And I think uh, there are some ideas flowing from the Biden administration, particularly this idea of of holding corporations accountable for their worldwide operations. I mean, we'll see where that goes, but those are just proposals for the moment and an increase in the corporate tax. And and uh, we just don't know where any of that's going to go. Or, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to say whether that's a good or a bad idea. They're just ideas floating around. And, and the president said the other day that, okay, I proposed this uh, increase in the corporate tax. We need to do infrastructure. If you don't want to pay for it that way, give me some other ideas. Let's just say the other ideas aren't flowing in at the moment. So we'll wait and see what happens. But anyway, I do think that at least within the media culture, there is a recognition that IRS has been underfunded for decades, and and it's a positive sign. But you're right, Duncan, it's no guarantee. It's just good to see other people are saying what we've been saying for a very long time. Absolutely. The more voices that can join the chorus, the better it'll be for everyone. I want to get into some things that would uh, nuts and bolts things impacting people. Um, most people who have ever tried to get uh, family medical leave or some other issues handled with IRS know something about FOH, Federal Occupational Health Service. They're contracted with IRS to make medical decisions. IRS finally recognized a while back that they don't really have the ability to make medical judgments. Therefore, they are going to defer those to the federal occupational health physicians. And I don't know about you, for the most part, I have always felt they, FOH does a pretty good job in evaluating um, medical uh, documentation submitted by employees. I mean, on the whole, we can argue with some, but on the whole, they do a very professional job, and I think IRS made a good decision in contracting with them. Now, when NTU came to... IRS and said, why don't you use FOH to try to get vaccinations, particularly at the campuses where, they, where all these people have to be there in person to do their work. And it's not a kind of work you can do at home. And to you, so why can't you use FOH and, and organize vaccinations right on the campus? And what was IRS's answer to that, Duncan? Basically, IRS's answer was, well, we'd have to renegotiate our contract because that's not what FOH is there for. Okay, renegotiate the freaking contract. <laughs> We're not talking rocket science here. Um, like they never had that what, idea before. They just, uh, just before <laughs> NTU brought it up. Well, gee, we never thought of that. Yeah, it, it's amazing sometimes where stuff like that happens. Like you're going, really? Nobody, you've got all these people, all these analysts. And nobody's ever thought about having this done. This this is shocking to us. Um, but I mean, especially in the campus environment where people are working very closely together in the call sites to a lesser extent, because so much of that can be done via telework now, um, we need to get these folks up and vaccinated. And I would think it would be in IRS's best interest uh, to do that as quickly and completely as possible but they have shown some resistance to it. I, and, you know, I, I think that 
it's it's one of those things where IRS may not management may not want to get involved in it. And I can understand that viewpoint. But again, this is a special circumstance that has only happened. You know, this is the second pandemic we've had in the last hundred plus years. This is something you need to take a look at a little bit differently. So, like I said, National NTU has said, why don't you just renegotiate the contract? Let's get FOH to get some contract folks in here so we can get people vaccinated, so we can, if needed, bring people back in as safely as possible. Does IRS still offer uh, flu shots like on lo- on on work locations? They used to. Do they still do that, or is that a thing of the past? Uh, that's about campus is about the only place that has that anymore. The um, availability of flu shots in person has gone away just because, like so many other positions, they've attrited over the years and not been backfilled. So there are just fewer people or health units that are out there anymore. Okay, so I think the bottom line here and getting back to COVID, I just want to ask about flu because, you know, we have, uh, as, a, as a, I will have to say, IRS as an institution, you know, has through the contract over many years offered flu shots, found a way to get people to get their flu shots, felt it was a, in the interest of the agency to not have flu outbreaks. Well, I mean, COVID's much worse than that. Excuse me. <laughs> so at this point, all NTU can do is urge uh, people to get vaccinated. It's a personal decision. I know people have different views, but uh, I can only cite all the medical professionals who studied these, this issue all their lives have looked at this vaccine. They feel the vaccine is as safe as any vaccine you can have, and it it prevents you. Basically what the vaccine does, as I understand it, uh, is it, it it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID at this point. They're not, uh, they're not absolutely sure of that. It may be an, an aspect of that. The most important thing that the vaccines that are available will do for you is, number one, keep you out of the hospital so the hospitals don't fill up and you can't get in if you have another issue. And secondly, it keeps you from dying. I think that's pretty important. So uh, NTU continues to do that. We at Chapter 49 certainly would recommend people get vaccinated, even though it is still a, a personal decision. Yeah, I can't emphasize enough that I believe that um, we, we've got to reach what's called you know herd immunity. We're trying to get herd immunity. And to do that, you have to have a certain percentage, either A, get COVID, which I don't want anyone to get, or B, a uh, higher percentage of folks to get vaccinated. And I understand that there's trepidation, doubts, things of that nature. Um, But when the highest medical officials in the federal government are recommending it, you know, I would strongly suggest that folks listen to that. Folks, you know, talk to your personal physicians. And I'm sure that they're also going to advise that you should get this. Listen to the professionals do what's right for you and your family. And I just want everybody to be as safe as possible. And that's why I joined National NTU and strongly urging and encouraging everyone to uh, get vaccinated. Sort of along that same general line of thinking, um, even though Chapter 4, just because the way NTEU was configured, Chapter 49 does not represent the appeals division. However, uh, you have been informed through the National uh, NTU office that uh, the appeals division is beginning the process to begin to bring at least certain classifications of employees back to the office. 
if that's happening in appeals, we suspect it will be happening in other divisions at some point. And I've got to believe, Duncan, there is some understandable fear amongst people who have been working at home uh, for quite a long time, many a year, maybe a little less, fear of coming back into an office, especially a large office. So uh, what's NTEU working on in that regard? Yeah, that's that's a huge uh, understandable fear for everyone. You know, you've been at home for well over a year now. You've been working from home. You not have much interaction with other people, much less fellow employees, unless you're in the service center. And again, they're trying to keep them as physically distanced as possible, but it's not an ideal situation by any stretch. But it's it's going to be happening. People are going to be called back. They're, as you referenced, they're starting to an appeals. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. And as this comes down, you know, it's going to be, well, I don't want to go back to the office at all. They're going to be individuals with that attitude. And unfortunately, if IRS says it's safe, we're calling you back, NTU, both nationally and locally, can work around the edges on this, but management has the right to direct the work legally by statute. So if they say it's time to come back to work, you're going to have to come back to work. Now, if you said, well, I haven't gotten my COVID shot or I don't believe in getting the vaccine or I'm not getting the vaccine, then you're going to be putting yourself and potentially um, your friends and family at further risk because you're exposing, you're going to be exposing yourself. The alternative is not working here anymore because that's what it could come down to. We're going to, NTU is pushing hard and will continue to push hard for as many people as possible to telework. We don't know what it's going to look like in the future. Um, is it going to be something close to this? Is it going to be like it was before? Is it going to be a hybrid of the two? We're pushing for as many positions and folks to be able to work telework as possible. But there are some positions where the work's just not portable, where that's not going to be realistic. So that's, again, why we urge everyone to get a vaccination. So if and when you're called back, you're ready for that. The other part of this, and I, I got to believe NTU will bring this up, and I've got to believe that the agency needs to consider this idea. Let us say a good example would be toll-free. If the management says, all right, uh, we've let you work in your homes for several months or whatever it may be, uh, we know we have the technical ability to do this, but we really want you in the office to get your job done. You must return to the office. I have got to believe, and I'd like your view on this, that there is a strong possibility that IRS may lose some very, very good employees who say, I, I'll be glad to work for IRS. I want to do it from home. I've performed well at home. Nobody has uh, documented anything that would indicate that I'm doing my job any worse because I'm at home. And they will say, if you force me to go into the office, they're going to go find another job. And the and IRS will lose that uh, that very important and institutional and technical knowledge that we'll have to start from scratch and hire somebody else. 
you know, I that's the first reaction I had when I heard about some of these controversies going on. You can find other examples at IRS, but toll-free just seems to be one that will have one of the biggest impacts. Really curious to, to get your view on this. Yeah, I, I'm of the same mind that you are. I think that there's going to be a certain percentage of seasoned employees, I like to call us, um, that are older, that may have trepidation, um, you know, coming back in a call site environment or TAS are the two that leap immediately to mind that want folks back in the office when they can. And, you know, are people going to retire earlier because of this? Are people going to, as you said, look for other jobs? I think that there's a certain percentage where that's absolutely possible just because of the fear of coming back in and contracting COVID. Um, you know, it's still out there. Cases are still happening. I had an old friend of mine that just posted on Facebook um, day before yesterday, was scheduled to get his COVID test, but he couldn't because he caught COVID. So the cases are still rolling in and people have an understandable fear of not wanting to be in large groups. And I totally get that. And I think that's going to be a decision that the IRS is going to have to look at based on past history with my dealings with the agency, I'm not holding my breath for a great resolution on that. Well, I that they look more at the human impact. Well, I'm sadly having been both a union official and a manager. I, I, I sadly agree with you on that and uh, would hope that some people were thinking a little further down the road, which unfortunately doesn't happen often enough. We've had some good executives who do that, we don't have enough of them. Uh, so anyway, I think there's going to be an impact if, if uh, there's an order to bring people back to work. We're not saying that's happened yet. It hasn't. We're just thinking about what may happen in the future and what the impact would be. But I think uh, employees need to think about this. You know, there may Oh, be- I absolutely do. Yeah, I mean- they, they, they have to weigh these types of things. And, and so if there's that possibility, I'm going to be called back to work and I really don't want to go back to the workplace some people are going to be looking at other options, sadly. We hate to see that, but reality hits you in the face, and there it goes. Uh, by the way, there was there been a lot of news stories lately, nationally, about people who, one fellow who was actually in his car driving to get his first vaccination and got sick, found out he had COVID. You know, that's the kind of sad thing you see when people have to wait to get their vaccination. So anyway, I'll leave that uh, leave that lie and move on to something else. Oh, by the way, you talk about being seasoned. I'm afraid I've got a lot on you on that one. I'm a lot more seasoned than you are. <laughs> if you're looking at seasoning, I've got the, I'm, I'm going to be the winner on that one. Uh, speaking of seasoned, IRS retirement. I'm I'm almost ten years retired. Now, hard to believe, and and I I've always felt that you know as a retiree, it was important for me to stay busy. So I volunteer with Chapter Forty Nine really shortly after I. Retired. I've done a lot of other volunteer work. I write a local news blog. I produce podcasts. Not here just for Chapter Forty Nine, but uh, for some my uh, produce some related to news in my local community where I live. Uh, I also do some film reviews, other reviews. So I do. I try to stay busy in retirement. Do the things that I enjoy and and feel that I'm contributing to my my uh, my own community. But uh, as people begin to consider retirement, not just I mean. We'll, just regular retirement, not necessarily whether or not I go back to work in person and so forth. Just you're at that retirement crossroads, if you will. 
there have been, and sadly, some pretty serious bugs with the IRS retirement system, uh, dealing with your ability to get the information you need into the IRS side of retirement. And then, of course, there's the Office of Personnel Management, which, uh, of course, does the final paperwork and is the final uh, processor of retirements. There was a backlog when I retired, but, man, I, I was lucky when I look back on that. The, the backlog is much worse now. So I'd like you to take a moment or two and talk about, number one, the IRS side of this backlog, then the OPM side of this backlog. And what as, in a past podcast, you actually did tell me, the audience and myself, that you were recommending that people put off retirement because you had no idea how long it would take to get that full retirement because you're on a temporary annuity until it's fully done and it's much lower than what you will actually get. So uh, a few thoughts from you would be uh, something I would appreciate here. Yeah, this is one of those that we're, we're experiencing a double whammy. First off, you've got the IRS system which pushes it to the GRB retirement platform because we just don't have enough retirement specialists because we don't have enough employees, period. Um, And so once that starts developing some bugs, this GRB platform, that throws a huge wrench in it. When this has been mentioned to IRS nationally by NTEU, the response is back that, you know, they can, if employees have questions, you can go on the IRS source and click on the employee resource tab to find out your retirement information. Well, that's that's about as bare freaking bones as it gets. And if you're contemplating possibly retiring and wanting to know, you know, what you're going to be looking at, they recommend that, you know, you put in a uh, get services ticket and get a uh, uh, best specialist, uh, retirement specialist to contact you back. And they say those tickets are normally uh, a response within one to three days, work days, which I find extremely funny wordsmithing because a response, I think, right now from a best specialist is going to be, yeah, we got this. We'll let you know as soon as we, we can contact you. So you've got that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, OPM has now received a wave, as they like to call it, of retirements in March. And this was unexpected from them. And I think it's going to just get greater as the year goes on with, as we talked about, folks across the federal government being asked to go back into their offices or people that are just saying, you know what, I don't want to deal with this. If I can't work from home, I've just had enough. I'm done and ready to put in my papers. And because of that backlog, OPM has started to hire more people to work these, but again, because nobody that's hired right now from the ground up can turn on a dime and start cranking everything out, it takes time. And so because of that, it just adds more and more time. And like you said, until they get the paperwork finished, you're on almost like a diet annuity, which is much less than you would normally get. You'll get your regular annuity and the totals that you should have but it could take several months before that hits. So right now, for anybody who's contemplating retirement, I would just advise you to plan very carefully, try and get your paperwork in as soon as possible, Uh, you know, even if it's several months out, so it can be worked and adjusted and they can, any questions that they have, they can look at. 
and then save up some money because you're going to need that if you're counting on starting, oh, I'll get my full retirement checks, you know, the month after I retire. That's not happening. Um, so you need to plan for that and make sure that you're uh, covered yourself and your family until it does get to be uh, the right amount. It's tragic. And it's really just a, a situation where things have all come together at one time. And uh, I think OPM is doing the best they can to respond. Uh, I would hope IRS would do the same. And yes, I think there's a lot to be said for getting that paperwork in as early as possible. How early can you put the paperwork in before you actually do plan to retire? Um, I believe, and um, if folks out there don't get upset, I believe it's six months, but I'm not sure on that. Okay, so that's another question for the best specialist. <laughs> exactly. I would I yeah. would put in if you're contemplating retiring within the uh, within this year of 2021. I would absolutely put in a ticket to talk to a best specialist about this. Get your ducks all in a row, figure out exactly what you need, and go from there. We're recording this on April 9th, 2021, and I think the last two, at least, uh, podcasts, we have talked about the fact that we're waiting at any minute for guidance on the American Rescue Plan or all the leave you're entitled to have by law but can't take because we don't have the implementation guidance. We're being told it could happen any time, but Duncan, it hasn't happened as of uh, uh, early, late morning Eastern time on April the 9th. Yeah, this is again one of those things that I'm not sure what the hangup is at OPM if they are having problems with um, you know computers adjusting to this or figuring out exactly what the guidance says. I thought the um, the statutes that passed were fairly clear, um, but I've been wrong on that before, apparently. But they need, you know, we're hearing that this guidance could possibly come out on April the 9th. We need to get it out as soon as possible because there are still folks that are hugely impacted by this uh, for basically taking care of COVID-related issues not the least of which are people who are having reactions to COVID shots and having to take their own leave when this, uh, when these statutes clearly allow for um, administrative leave to be taken. So there, there's a couple of different pieces of this that are very, very big that we would wish the guidance would come out yesterday. And again, we're just hoping it'll come out any day. And once it does, we'll uh, go over it in some detail. Uh, you'll uh, be sending out information to your members, and we'll be spending some time talking about it uh, here on this podcast once it is available. Absolutely. As soon as we get it, it goes out. The information goes out. Uh, one thing that we've talked about before, and sadly, it's it's still an issue. And having been a manager myself, uh you know, I, I, I think I may have made a mistake once on this, learned my lesson, and never, ever did it again. And that's not turning in what the, the system calls a PAR, P-A-R, action to make sure your employees receive their automatic career ladder promotions. This should be an automatic thing. This is something a manager of the, the system I use gave you a heads up it was coming. So I always knew it was coming. In fact, I did my best to keep up with that. Always tried to get my par actions in on time, 
But I think we have a lot of new managers or just managers maybe that aren't able to organize themselves well enough at this point. And when NTU is just seeing a rash of people not receiving their career ladder promotions on time. So what's the management telling us about this problem? Yeah, basically when we've brought this up and saying, and given uh, national IRS examples, and not, when I say we, I'm talking about national NTU, um, that there are not being these par actions are not being submitted timely, that IRS is saying, well, we provide outreach sessions, you know, HR talks to them, you know, we, we tell them about this and to make sure that they do it. Well, that's great that you're telling them, but are they listening? Is there any consequence to managers that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing? This is one of the most uh, basic things that a manager should be doing is ensuring that if their employee is due for a raise, be it either a uh, uh, a, a step increase or a grade increase, that they would want to make sure that that's timely. And unfortunately, we're seeing in spots all across the country where that's not happening. Well, I can tell you what, uh, what ha- I can tell you what happened to me if I ever did something like that. My territory manager was in my ear. And the tone was not pleasant. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and the way I don't and I don't think that is happening as much as it should anymore. And that's my I point. I, I I wish that were happening, and that really kind of comes from the top and from the the people who manage the managers, which in most organizations are the territory managers at IRS. Uh, mine was on me, and I think she should have been. I, I actually appreciate the fact when I, I was doing something wrong, and she let me know I didn't do it a second time. I didn't want to get get yelled at again. But uh, she she was making a point. You no, know, this is important. You need to pay attention to it. So, I guess the point is, uh, NTU's pushing. Let's hope the management uh, gets the message, and the managers. I mean, and again, so if you got a lot of new managers and they're still trying to get up to speed, that may be part of the problem. But still, it's the upper management that needs to keep an eye on this. Yeah. And the other part of this is that we've gotten IRS is doing so many details now where they're detailing managers, permanent managers up. So they get acting managers behind them and the acting managers are in there for shorter periods of time. And whatever training they're getting is obviously lacking. And these are things that are falling through the cracks and they absolutely shouldn't be. So we've also advised IRS that they need to take a look at that as well. I want to move on to another subject, and even though this does not deal with an agency represented by NTEU, it does have an impact on labor management relations government-wide. The Environmental Protection Agency is a very large agency, employs a lot of people. Uh, it is uh, represented by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE. During They had a contract uh, come up for uh, renegotiation during the Trump administration. Whatever you thought of the Trump administration, uh, I think it's fair to say that administration was not friendly toward federal employees or their unions. So they basically, even though the AFGE complained and went to, did everything they could, uh, there was basically a contract imposed on those employees, which was not a good contract. I won't get into the details of it. What I want everybody to know is that when the Biden administration came in, something happened there at the EPA that uh, is almost unprecedented. I don't know of a precedent. Uh, If you know one, Duncan, let me know. Where the Biden administration did two things. Number one, they basically invalidated that contract that was imposed on the employees during the Trump administration. 
and said the agency is going to have to go back to the contract that was negotiated previous to that, which was a much better contract for employees. And by the way, EPA, you are now required to bargain now a new contract with your union. Uh, As someone who serves on uh, as a permanent member of the NTEU Negotiating Committee for the new national contract, I think this really does set the tone for labor management relations that um, it's supposed to be the the proper balance. Management has their interests, the union has theirs, but uh, there shouldn't be an imbalance in that relationship. And I think that action is something that will send a message to all federal agencies, including uh, the Treasury and IRS, and I'd like to get your uh, take on that. Yeah, first off, I do want to say, that while AFTI represents the vast majority of EPA employees, NTU does represent about 2,100 employees in headquarter and regional offices across the country. So we do have a vested interest in making sure that agencies like the EPA are brought to reality, let's say. Um, you know, we wanna, we wanna make sure that employees' rights are protected. And getting the right people, fair people, in charge at uh, places like the uh, Federal Labor Relations Authority, the FLRA, uh, Merit System Protection Board, MSPB, uh, Federal Services Impasse Panel, the FSIP. When you get people who will look at um, prior case law, current statutes, things of that nature in those positions, then it's based on law, not on what a particular administration might want or not want. And that's what we're trying to get back to. And I think that's what the Biden administration is pushing, uh, thankfully so, and saying, hey, look, we want to get back to how it should be done correctly. And that's why they're saying, okay, you know, you have to redo the EPA contract, you know, and I'm sure that as we continue to go forward in our negotiations with the new national agreement for IRS, that I'm hoping that that attitude will permeate down as well. I want to just mention something here at the end that I think is, is worth taking into consideration. And I just recently posted this article on our NTU Chapter 49 Indiana Facebook page. So if you can like or follow that, just go to Facebook and and just uh, type in on the search NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. That Indiana must be on the end. And you can follow or like us and you receive uh, our information on your Facebook feed. I put on that news feed today an article by Tim, uh, Tom Temin, who uh, writes for the Federal News Network, one of the websites that uh, concentrates on federal employee information. And he tells a story about how big a baseball fan he is and how even baseball teams have gone to technology. Sometimes you don't bring a ticket to the ballpark. You just bring your phone and get it scanned, for instance. And uh, he's a season ticket holder for a professional baseball team. And how he, when he's dealing with the team, he normally just deals with them with through technology. But something unusual happened, and he just had to talk to somebody on the phone. He had to talk to a human being to get straightened out what he needed to get straightened out. 
And he tried to compare that experience to what's happening in the federal government with agencies like IRS and Social Security, where people certainly use technology, and the agencies have been encouraging people to use technology where it works. But his point is, hey, you know, there's first of all, people are not very good at technology, uh, but there are also situations where you, you just can't get your answer through technology. You've got to talk to a human being and sort through it. And so he just talked about how IRS had to take the toll-free system offline when pandemic first hit about a year ago and and how it's been so difficult for people to get a human being uh, at the IRS or for Social Security or other agencies. Those are two big ones. Uh, There are others that have uh, VA might be another one where they deal with customer service both in person and on the phones. And I think the point here is uh, I don't think NTEU is against the agency uh, enhancing technology available to the public. I think the concern that I've always had, and, and you know, I had it while I was working there, both as a manager and a union official. The problem I had is that I thought the agency was going overboard on saying use technology because there were some people in high places in the agency at one point, and you can tell me if that's true today, that just think technology will solve everything. We can reduce the toll-free footprint. We can reduce the uh, uh, taxpayer assistance centers where people come in for, for in-person help. We can, we can shrink that down to almost nothing because, hey, technology is going to take care of all of it. And I think Mr. Temin's point is it takes care of much of it. It doesn't take care of all of it. And I kind of like your view on this. Yeah, that's one of those things where, as you know, you said he wrote, that there are certain issues you just need to talk to a human being about. And if that's not available, then, you know, you're not going to be able to get your issue or problem solved. And that's going to lead to dissatisfaction, whether it's a business or whether it's a governmental agency that you don't want to see happen. We're here to serve the public. We're here to serve um, the taxpayers. And if they can't get through to us to ask us questions that they have, then it's going to be, you know, lead to dissatisfaction, lead to noncompliance, lead to confusion that we don't want to have. So you need to have that investment in people, in the people answering the phones, people in our tax, our walk-in offices that are able to have those contacts where they can interact with a human and ask those questions and get to the root of their problem and uh, try and fix whatever the issue is. I have one final comment. I think people need to keep this in mind. Things are getting better. There are fewer deaths, fewer coronavirus uh, positive tests, but uh, and, and we need to temper that with the fact that people are dying every day in Indiana from COVID. Was it two or three days ago, uh, there was a, a reporter I know that works for the network, uh, Indiana Radio Network, who put a, a Facebook post up saying, today is the first day in more than a year that the state of Indiana reported no COVID deaths. Now, that was important. But folks, that was one day. And, all, and every day since then, we are getting more reports of deaths from COVID. And more and more people who are dying are younger, and that's very concerning. The variants are out there. It's, we still are in a pandemic. 
you know, we need to keep in mind that wearing a mask is not a political statement. It's a way of trying to protect, to a certain extent, yourself, but more or less the people around you. Do you have concern for your fellow man and woman? You know, so I'm, I say, you know, I wear a mask wherever I go out in public. I'm, I'm getting my second vaccination today, so in a couple of weeks I'll be fully vaccinated. And I will continue to wear that mask until... The health professionals say you don't have to, and I'm not looking for that happening very soon. So what I'm trying to say here is the pandemic is real. It's People are still dying. There are tens of thousands in Indiana every day of people who are testing positive. So please be careful. You know, Please don't let your guard down. I'm very concerned about uh, where, what, where we're going at this point, and it, it's the numbers that are concerning me. So, Duncan, I'll give you a, a last uh, comment or shot before we end the podcast today. Yeah, I just want to echo exactly what you said. I uh, saw on Facebook just two days ago uh, an old friend of mine that was going to get their COVID uh, vaccination, literally ready to do it that afternoon, and they were diagnosed with COVID that morning. Hmm. And so, as you said, it's still out there. We still need to be on our guard and, you know, take it very seriously. And again, that's why I urge folks to get the vaccination. There's no microchips in it. It's recommended by, you know, the medical professionals, the scientific professionals. And we need to get these vaccinations in folks so we can get to the herd immunity so we can beat this back because it is surging in several parts of the world and in several parts of the U.S., and we really need to try and knock it down as much as we can. Also want to just mention that this podcast uh, is available on most platforms where you find a podcast, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those different kind of platforms. Uh, we hosted a SoundCloud. That's where the link goes out when, when Duncan sends out links to this podcast. But if and, and, and not every platform has this, but if you have on the platform where you're listening uh, an opportunity to rate us or send a comment, please leave a comment. Rate us. We always welcome that. And uh, you know, subscribe if you if you like if you'd like to hear my other podcasts. I have I have lots of other podcasts other than Chapter Forty Nine. You're always welcome to subscribe to my podcast on any platform if you choose to do that. So with that, I want to thank you very much for listening. Appreciate the fact that you are listening to our podcast. We try to keep it weekly as much as we can, and I would simply ask everyone listening once again to please be safe and be kind.